0: Welcome to the Live to Shoot podcast, where we discuss the Second Amendment and other various topics that could impact our right to bear arms or just our overall liberty. I'm Jeff Dowdle, a husband, father, Christian, and federal firearm license holder. So this weekend was a big weekend. Um Super Bowl, Chiefs versus 49ers. I had a house full of about 15 teenagers uh, here with my son watching the game. And so I got to hole up in my bedroom to watch the game and, uh, well, I think I mentioned in a previous episode that I grew up in Kansas City. I moved to Kansas City in 1977 when I was 12, and at that time I was a Cincinnati Reds and a Dallas Cowboys fan. I was a Reds fan because my grandmother always rooted for the, Cowboys, for the Reds, <clears throat> so I thought that would be a good team for me to root for. It's a longer story of how I became a Cowboy fan. My sport for the Cowboys was much more ingrained than my sport for the Reds, so I quickly replaced the Reds with the Royals. But you can't live in Kansas City for long without becoming a fan of the Chiefs, which I did. It didn't hurt that the Chiefs and Cowboys were in different conferences and rarely played. When I moved to Dallas to the Dallas-Fort Worth area some 35 years ago, my Cowboy fandom grew even more intense. But I never stopped being a Chiefs fan. It didn't hurt that the Chiefs were originally from Dallas and were the Dallas Texans, and the Hunt family is still in Dallas, and also they own. FC Dallas, the Dallas, which is the Dallas Major League Soccer Team. So, needless to say, this was an exciting weekend. I'm so excited that my Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and I'm so happy for all my friends that still live in the Kansas City area. They're doing much better than my current Cowboys are doing. Well, this is my sixth episode, and somewhere I heard that the average podcast only lasts nine episodes. When I heard this, I thought that seemed low, but as I am now going into my sixth episode... I understand the number better. It isn't easy, and you have to enjoy it and be committed. So if you're thinking about starting your own podcast, I use Buzzsprout to host my, um, host my podcast. Buzzsprout provides all sorts of resources for new podcasters, including getting your podcast uh, published on all the major platforms like Apple, um, Spotify. Uh, and uh, they have great training resources, and the folks at Buzzsprout are very passionate about helping you succeed. Also, you can start with a free account so you don't have to invest a lot to dip your toe into the podcasting pond. But if you, and if you follow the link that's in the show notes, you'll get a $20 um, Amazon gift card when you open a paid plan with Buzzsprouts. Now, I've been asking myself all along, what am I doing, what am I hoping to deliver with my podcast? And what do I hope to get out of it? First, I enjoy listening to podcasts, so I thought I might enjoy creating one. And I'm enjoying it because it is a challenge and I keep learning new things. I'm not sure I'm doing that well, but I'm committed to becoming a podcaster. I just started reading uh, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. And while his approach isn't earth-shattering, I think that's the beauty of it. A lot of what he says is so obvious, but we get wrapped up in our day-to-day lives and improving our habits is something I think we fall into bad habits trying to do. But his approach is that you have to determine your identity and then determine what it takes to become that identity. It can be small steps and can take a while. That's why I think the average podcast is only nine episodes, because people give up before they get to that breakthrough moment. Well, you're all going to get to watch this journey with me. Either it succeeds or it fails. Now, what is it I hope to deliver? Well, I think about that's going to be a work in progress, and I'll probably look at different in a year than it does now. But one thing that I've always been interested in is apologetics. And if you aren't aware of what apologetic is, um, according to Wikipedia, it is the religious discipline of defending religious doctrines through systematic argumentation and discourse. So it's really defending why defending why you believe in, in Jesus. My first exposure to apologetics was a book by Lee Strumble called A Case for Christ. And I attribute this book as one thing that helped my journey to becoming a Christ follower. Because of the interest I have, because of this interest, I've started looking at the Second Amendment with an apologetic eye. And one thing I want to deliver is information to help people defend the Second Amendment. I tend to keep looking at it from a historical perspective, but I also a modern day perspective so we can understand how we got to this point where the Second Amendment is one of the most hotly debated portions of the Constitution. I thought it would be helpful to in this episode, I thought it would be helpful to look at the state constitutions that exis- existed at the time to help provide some insight into the thoughts of the men who wrote, debated, and ratified those documents because they were mostly the same people debating the Bill of Rights and Second Amendment. So Pennsylvania's 1776 Constitution declared, The people have a right to bear arms for the defense of themselves and the state. Vermont's Constitution of 1777 and 1786 stated that the people have a right to bear arms for the defense of themselves and the state. Massachusetts and North Carolina stated, the people have a right to keep and bear arms for the common defense. So this kind of would indicate more of a, a possible collective meaning than an uh, individual right. But the Supreme Court rulings followed shortly after those that indicated that they interpreted it as, a, as having an individual right in those states. There were also many constitutions that were ratified in the years following the U.S. Constitution as well. So between 1789 and 1845, there were 15 constitutions adopted by nine states, one territory, and one independent nation, my great state of Texas, that contained a statement that said a right to bear arms in defense of himself and the state or some slight variance of that. Much like biblical apologetics, the gathering of other documents and writings of the time can give indication of the thoughts of the original authors. By looking at these other constitutions that were either prior or shortly after the U.S. Constitution, the evidence suggests that the right of the people to keep and bear arms was intended to protect an individual right and not a collective right. So to recap in the, la- in the uh, last few episodes, We've looked at what led to the U.S. Constitution and the need to replace the Articles of Confederation. Then we discussed the concern of the founders and their desire to ensure that individual rights were not threatened by by this new government they were creating, so they created the Bill of Rights. We then reviewed each one of the Bill of Rights and looked at what they were designed to protect and showed how they were all designed to protect an individual right. Then we discussed some of the thoughts of our founders to try and understand their intentions. Then we looked at the concern of the Founding Fathers regarding having a standing army and wondered if they, this concern about a standing army would, could then be interpreted that the militia was more of an individual and state-led militia than a formal standing army or a collective group. Then in this episode, we've looked at all other documents that existed at the time to see if they gave insight into an individual right versus a collective right. So I think the evidence is suggesting that an individual right is at least implied in the document. We're going to continue to look at some historical evidence as we continue our discussion of the Second Amendment in our next episode.